Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome. It is a delight to be with you this week. We are in March. Where has the time gone? We are already into uh, moving through the first quarter of 2021. And hopefully, with everything going on in the world, you're starting to stretch those arms and consider coming out of your cocoons. And as you do so, have you thought about your brain? Have you thought about the neuroscience of remodeling your brain? Especially with all that we've been through in the past year, whether it has been regarding the pandemic, whether it has been politically, whether you're dealing with issues financially or some of the natural disasters that have taken place in our world over the last year to two years, it is an important thing to implement practices and have an understanding of how these different issues affect our brain. And so I have bringing you a brilliant guest today. His name is Dr. Dawson Church, and he is an award-winning author whose best-selling book, The Genie in Your Genes, has been hailed by reviewers as a breakthrough in linking emotions and genetics. He then wrote Mind to Matter, where he reviewed the science of peak mental states, and he's conducted dozens of clinical trials and focused and founded the National Institute of Integrative Healthcare. Uh, to promote groundbreaking new treatments. He shares how to apply these breakthroughs of energy psychology to health and personal performance through EFT Universe. EFTUniverse.com is that website, one of the largest alternative medicine sites on the web. And I'm excited to talk about his book, Bliss Brain, The Neuroscience of Remodeling Your Brain for Resilience, Creativity, and Joy. We all know that our brains are capable of rewiring themselves. There's been a lot of science about that as of late, and it's now showing us that this neuroplasticity isn't just happening over the course of months or years, that is actually occurring quickly and can remodel entire networks in the brain over time. This is really important when we think about different experiences that we have been having as of late and how we handle them emotionally, because when we cultivate pleasurable flow states regularly, they become traits. We don't just feel more blissful as a temporary experience. This actually gets hardwired into our brains, becoming stable and enduring personality traits. So I'm looking forward to diving completely into this uh, conversation today with Dawson Church. Welcome, Dawson, to 1111 Talk Radio. Simon, it's great to be here, and I can't wait to share and chat with you as well. So thanks for having me. Awesome. I know in reading your book, you talk a in the beginning about having moved through uh, some of your own trauma with the fires in California and then other things that have taken place in your life. And I often say when we write a book, we're either writing it from experience or the universe will give us a chance to really understand what we're teaching. And you certainly got the understanding of your teaching on a visceral and very practical level. And with that said, uh, whether people have gone through something like you went through with the fire or whether we're thinking about the pandemic or politics or the many different stressors that kind of compound upon us daily that create trauma and PTSD in ways that we don't even realize. Talk a little bit about how we begin to move out of specifically the period we've just been in for the past year 
because many people have been kind of in the doldrums or dealing with depression or dealing with anxiety and all of those things. So how do they tap back into any resilience or creativity and joy that they did have? Yeah, and the mental health consequences of all of those stressors, Simran, are really becoming apparent in recent statistics showing rises in domestic violence as people are stuck in their homes, rises in depression and anxiety, rises in trauma, rises in stress, rises in suicide. And so when we have this kind of enforced time when we can't go out and do the things we used to do, either we go deep inside and we're able to enrich our lives with that time or it produces stress on us and it produces mental those mental health challenges. So it's really important to focus on the resilience part of the equation. And the good news from PTSD research, and I cover this in Chapter 7 of Bliss Brain, is that when confronted by the kinds of stressors that people have had in the last couple of years, that about two-thirds of people actually do become more resilient. About a third of them become so stressed they develop PTSD and those trauma symptoms, but about two-thirds of them actually use those life challenges as a way of making lemonade and actually making their lives better as a result. So it is possible to become more resilient, and what you do with the challenge is the critical determinant, whether you, whether you collapse, whether you allow yourself to be affected by all the bad news, or whether you say, I am strong, I am courageous, I have resources, is up to you. And when you make that choice to, to move toward the resilience end of the spectrum, then suddenly all kinds of good things happen in your brain and your body. So yes, there are these stressors, but they can either drive us into PTSD or they can produce what's called post-traumatic growth. Well, it does appear that adversity often does uh, tend to have us move or learn how to strengthen. And I think in your book, you write about attentional control being key and that that is where we train ourselves to control our attention. And I, I think that when, when this whole pandemic started and has gotten people inside themselves, for some, it did take them deeper and it took them to places, perhaps emotions that they didn't want to feel that lay underneath in our subconscious, resting there until they, we have a stopping point for them to bubble up. And then the others were these reactive ones. And so how does an individual then create that potential control? Because the first thing that tends to happen, whether meditating or stopping, is there's a gazillion thoughts and feelings <laughs> and sensations <laughs> that take place. <laughs> Yeah, is, it, is it a gazillion or a trillion or a quintillion or a septillion? It's a lot of thoughts. And they're always there. <laughs> and what's distracting us? So, so people close their eyes and try to meditate. And I was in that that kind of uh, category when I was 15 years old, 16 years old, learning to meditate many, many years ago. And I closed my eyes. And for people who are traumatized, Simran, it's not just that you have the, the gazillion thoughts. It's that you have a gazillion negative thoughts, and you can't escape them, and it gets worse when you close your eyes. You then you close your eyes. You're no longer distracted by all the stuff going on around you. And when you close your eyes, an interesting thing that happens, the, uh, the estimates vary, but about 9 million pieces of information 
every second pass through your optic nerve from your eyes into the occipital cortex in the back of your brain. And so there's a lot going on here, a lot of information coming into your senses, especially through your eyes. And so we're used to having this bombardment of sensory information, 11 million pieces of information a second coming into our brains just from our eyes. That isn't taste, touch, or any of the other senses. So when you close your eyes and cut off that flow of information, suddenly what starts happening and what happens for most people who are new to meditation is that the echo chamber of your mind gets going and you have all of these thoughts that were previously displaced by that visual information now come to the fore. And a part of the brain that handles your sense of self and also handles past and future, it's called the default mode network, fires up. And it's the seat of self. It's the seat of constructing your sense of who you are. And unfortunately, for most of us, that includes all the bad things of the past that made us who we are, that shaped us, that, that traumatized us, that hurt us, and all the ways in which those bad things might happen again in the future. And so this part of the brain lights up the default mode network, and then suddenly we're bombarded by thoughts, and any chance, any hope of inner peace is gone. And so that's the usual pattern of people trying to learn to meditate, trying to give themselves a break from the busy outside world. And so what's so important is to learn to counteract that. And what we found now with the advent of this brilliant new technology of high-resolution MRIs and EEGs, and in my book I have a lot of EEG studies, a lot of MRI studies, and what they show is that you can train your brain to, when you close your eyes, to not fire up the default mode network. And in advanced meditators, like Tibetan monks, who have spent many, many years, 10,000 hours or more, in meditation, the default mode network actually remains quiet when they close their eyes and gets quieter. So they're no longer bombarded by all these thoughts. Their minds are quiet, their brains are quiet, and then those brains become really focused on the good, on compassion, on love. And then this triggers this host of neurochemicals. And now, again, with, with advanced uh, abilities to study the neurochemicals of meditation, we now see neurochemicals like serotonin rise, dopamine rise. Dopamine is your motivational neurochemicals, your motivational neurotransmitter. It's about that wanting something, desiring something. And what they're desiring, though, is love. And so that love then sparks the production in the brain of oxytocin, the bonding hormone. It sparks the production of anandamide, the bliss hormone. And so all of these wonderful neurochemicals start to flow in the brains of these monks and nuns, and they're in bliss. That's why it's called bliss brain. And you literally feel your brain being flooded with all of these positive neurochemicals as the default mode network and that sense of self shuts down, and you feel one with the infinite love of the universe. And so my whole focus in Bliss Brain is to, first of all, assure people that it's possible to get there. We know from these MRI studies that these, these, these meditators, these long-term adepts, really hit extraordinary mental states. They're, they're totally blissed out, they're totally happy. When you read Rumi and Hafiz and St. Francis of Assisi and St. Catherine of Siena, you hear them expressing in, in poetry and prose and hymn and song these remarkable inner states. And now with these advanced imaging devices like MRIs, we, we literally 
<clears throat> we're reading the brain activity and the neurochemistry of those states, and they are extraordinary. So that's really what I wanted to write this brain to, uh, to share with people, is that we know what those states look like in the brain using modern technology. And as you train your brain to be in that state, you're then triggering neuroplasticity. It becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. So then when you have the pandemic, you have the fire, you have the economic crash, you have that, not just that state of resilience temporarily, but that personality trait of resilience permanently. And it can never be taken away from you. It can never go anywhere. It's literally hardwired into your brain. I loved that section of the book where you talk about the default mode network and, and you abbreviate it to DMEN and then you reference it um, as the demon of the self, that that is the part of our monkey mind and all of that. And I loved that because I think that that's very identifiable with people. We all have, you know, that part of us, that that demon self that just wants to pull us into the negative or pull us into attachment and all of these different things. And you state that, uh, as we move more into the meditative uh, techniques and some of the other techniques, that that neurological effect activates the prefrontal cortex. And that's really what governs the attention. What are some of the techniques that can assist us in defeating that demon? Coming into the present. The demon is always focused on the past and on the future. And so the default mode network cranks up. It's called the default mode network because our brain literally defaults to that setting when we are doing a task. So if I'm focused on, say, um, writing a poem, if I'm focused on composing an email, if I'm focused on driving in a new city, if I'm focused on gardening, if I'm focused on anything, I'm in, in the present moment, I'm doing a task, I'm, people are generally happy. But large-scale studies have found that when people aren't doing anything, even when they're supposed to be relaxing, if they aren't doing stuff, they get unhappy. And so that's the state the brain defaults to, is this focus on the bad stuff of the past. Like, Maybe you're taking a day off, it's a Saturday, and you're just hanging out at home, not doing anything in particular, and your mind keeps remembering the thing that happened last week at work that upset you, and your brain just keeps on focusing on that over and over and over again. And what I try to explain to people is our brains work this way and drive us nuts with all the bad stuff of the past, because that's how our ancestors survived. They needed to think about, oh, that tiger that almost ate me last week. Wow, I need to remember that. I need to, need to focus on that bad thing in the past. And I need to plan to avoid the tiger tomorrow when I leave my cave. 100,000 years ago, I'm leaving the cave tomorrow to forage. I need to avoid the tiger tomorrow. So for our ancient ancestors, the brain the brain's defaulting to the bad stuff from the past and future possible threats was completely adaptive. It's how we survived, it's why we're here, is that our brains work this way. Now though, without any tigers or lions or elephants or rampaging tribes, trying to, there are no Neanderthals trying to eat our lunch. And so our brain still works that way. And that's why when you try and close your eyes and meditate, your brain is flooded with all the past and all this future information. So what the crucial thing to do is to learn to be in the present. And so I give you a whole bunch of really practical methods to do that. Just one simple one I have in the book is focusing on the breath. Just be there, focus on your breathing. Your breathing is always there 20,000 plus times a day you take a breath. 
just being in the breath is a powerful way of bringing yourself back into the moment. Another way to do this is I, I train people in EFT tapping. EFT tapping is acupressure on these 12 acupuncture points. And if you just tap, usually that will release all that preoccupation. And what these meditation experts have done is these monks, these nuns, these people have learned to, to enter the stillness is that when they close their eyes, they are no longer being sucked into the bad things of the past or projecting those bad things into the future. They are simply being. They're just being in the here and now. And that is the delicious present in which we can train ourselves to remain even when there's the pandemic and there's the economic crash and there's the natural disaster. All these bad things are happening and we train ourselves to be, be in, in the present. And and I, I tell my story in Bliss Brain of the fire and the financial crisis we found ourselves in after the fire, after our house was burned down and our office was burned down. And we, we were very disoriented. My wife and I were very disoriented by this and everyone around us. I mean, Five thousand homes burned down that that day, so that night. So um, in our whole area, people were the whole the whole of the San Francisco Bay Area was in crisis after that devastating fire. But as we meditated over the next few days and over the next few months, as we got therapy, as we used EFT acupressure tapping, we found ourselves finding our inner resilience, even though our home had been destroyed, our money, our our whole um, business had been wiped out by the fire. Even though we had all these losses, we found that underneath it all, we had deep inner peace. And we returned to that place over and over and over again. So once you've learned this, once you become resilient and you close your eyes, your images in your mind are no longer of the fire. They're of love. There are the people who helped you. There are of compassion. There are of joy. And you hit these extraordinary states. And it's in the midst of chaos. Your money's all gone. Your house and your business have been wiped out in the fire. Your, some of your friends have died. And yet, you have this deep abiding inner peace. So I wrote the book and included those autobiographical stories to show with people it's, this isn't just theoretical neuroscience. <laughs> I'm not just an uh, academic in an ivory tower pontificating about neuroplasticity. I've lived through some really terrifying events, and I found that you can discover a core of selfhood, this essential self that is there and present and able to enter the present moment, even after the fire even after the financial crash, even after the health crisis. And that's that's really the focus of my work, is sharing with people that this is practical neuroscience. Your brain is rewiring itself, and the other miracle is it's happening fast. And in one study I, I finished, I haven't published it yet in a peer-reviewed journal, but we look now at the speed of neuroplasticity. And we found my that... Guest I'm going to have you continue that in our okay. next segment. My guest today is <laughs> Dawson Church, and he has written the book Bliss Brain, which is going to help you understand all about what the brain does as we move through different states, but also teach you and reveal to you ways of meditating uh, to understand the neuroscience of remodeling your brain for resilience, creativity, and joy. You can find out more about him at dawsonsgift.com and blissbrain.com. Definitely connect to the immunity meditation that he has at dawsonsgift.com. And you can find out about the pain workshop that is this Sunday and the EFT training that is going to be next week. We'll be right back after these messages with Blissbrain and Dr. Dawson Church. 
Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 Gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Before we get back to Dr. Dawson Church and the book Bliss Brain, I wanted to mention that BetterHelp.com is offering 10% off their first your first free month with their services for 1111 listeners. So you can get 10% off if you go to BetterHelp.com forward slash 11 and spell out the word 11. If there is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. But I want you to understand this is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. This is actually professional counseling done securely online, and there's a broad range of expertise that's available that may not be locally available in many areas or that you may choose to have the convenience from your own home. The service is available for clients worldwide. You have an account that you log into, and you can send messages to your counselor at any time. You will always get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule your weekly video or phone sessions so that you don't have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as you do with traditional therapy. BetterHelp.com is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so that they make it easy 
and free to change counselors if needed. It is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available for some. So you can go to betterhelp.com forward slash 11 and get 10% off your first month. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today, and you can visit their website and read their testimonials, which are posted daily. They're actually uh, supporting so many people that they are recruiting counselors in all 50 states, and you can join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And while you do so, you might want to pick up your copy of Bliss Brain and learn some of the techniques there. In addition, I want to mention the after party that is on stereo at 12.30 uh, after the show. We go to the after party where you can ask questions and interact with me and other listeners. We talk about the topics that have taken place on 1111 Talk Radio. It's an amazing space where you get to share your voice, ask questions, comment, share your wisdom, and get to know people that are listening just like you. So definitely go to Stereo after the show at 12.30. You can find the banner in the middle of the show page. And I look forward to hearing you there. The book that I'm talking about is Bliss Brain. And while the demon, the the default mode network, is all about the self, meditation, especially loving-kindness meditation, is all about selflessness. All the mystical traditions of the world teach non-attachment to self as the key to enlightenment. And there's an area of the brain called the nucleus accumbens that is part of the reward circuit, regulating pleasure, addiction, and emotional attachment. Research shows that this area shrinks in long-time meditators as they disentangle their attention circuits from the demon's endless I-me-mine attachment. They move into the transcendent bliss of bliss brain. And this is from Dawson Church's book. You can find out more about him at blissbrain.com. You can connect to an immunity meditation at dawsonsgift.com and also explore the pain workshop that is going on this Sunday or the upcoming EFT training. Again, that's blissbrain.com. Welcome back, Dawson. When we're talking about uh, moving into some of these ways of meditation, I know that you have your own practice that you do every day. You, You illustrate that in the book and go through it so that people understand. And it does involve the EFT along with your own regular practice of meditation. Um, And you mentioned that it is more important to do a shorter, consistent meditation than it is to do really long ones that are random. What are some of the myths or misconceptions that people have about meditation that we can kind of tweak and turn them um, to, to perhaps commit? Because I think that that's the thing, committing to a daily practice is often the obstacle for many people. I'm so glad you asked that, Simran, because it is the obstacle for many people. And when I do a live workshop or a virtual workshop, an in-person workshop, I ask people very often, I say, raise your hand if you've ever taken a meditation class, an online program, read a book about meditation, and begun to explore meditation. And virtually everyone raises their hand. There are hardly any hands that are not raised. So I'll see hundreds of hands raised everyone's done that, then I'll say, who has a daily meditation practice? And about 90% of the hands come down. (laughs) (laughs) People look at the floor and they feel so embarrassed and they they feel like failures as well. And they don't realize that the, the great comfort of knowing the default mode network is the way it is, is that 
We then realized that our brains evolved to pay attention to the past and the future and to worry and to stress as a survival mechanism that really worked for us. And so they, they realized that their brains are just designed this way. There's nothing morally wrong with them about failing meditation practice. I mean, our, if, we were, if we were in the savannah 100,000 years ago and we sat down and we closed our eyes, we'd be lunch for the next predator. So nothing about evolution has driven us to meditate. And so it's really valuable to learn how to overcome the brain's natural tendencies. And it starts with understanding your brain does work that way. And so what you want to do is use effective meditation. When I was 15 years old, I was so depressed. I was so anxious. I had so many of the symptoms of PTSD and as a teenager. I was just utterly miserable. And in Bliss Brain, I tell one little vignette of walking past a full-length mirror when I was 15 years old and looking at myself in the mirror and this thought flashed into my head, that's the saddest face I've ever seen in my life. And I realized I was so screwed up. I had to go go try and fix myself. That's why I went to live in a spiritual community, began to take courses on in psychology, trying to fix my, my own desperate unhappiness. And I tried meditation. And at the, at the community, they taught us to meditate. And I closed my eyes. And all I think of was terrifying incidents of abuse as a child or worries about the future. I couldn't do it. So most people can't do it. And when they're told to do something like close their eyes and still their minds, they can't still their minds. They aren't able to sit for a long period of time. So what do you do? How do you? And neuroscience is now giving us the answers. If you do this, it works. If you try just closing your eyes, it doesn't work because the default mode network cranks up. So there are certain things you do, and I've, I've developed these as a very simple set of seven practices that we know now work, and they work because they're not based in the mind, and they're not based in any kind of uh, a philosophical or spiritual uh, framework. They're just stuff you do. Like one of them is to relax your tongue. When you relax your tongue on the floor of your mouth, there's a nerve in the base of your tongue called the hypoglossal nerve, which sends a signal to the vagus nerve and you relax your whole body. It's just that simple. I mean, you can try it right now. If you think about something bad that happened in the last couple of weeks, but keep your tongue relaxed, you can't get mad about it or upset about it because you're sending this mechanical physiological signal to your vagus nerve, to your relaxation nerve, to relax. That nerve travels throughout your whole body, carrying that relaxation me message all over the body. So just that one simple thing of relaxing your tongue, one of these seven practices is going to help you relax. And so I have people do these seven things, and very, very quickly then, they're able to get out of that default mode functioning. One woman um, on our website, we've had just thousands of people email us with stories, but one of them, her name is Tony Tumbleson, and she gave us permission to use her, her statement. And she said, I, I sat down to meditate and tried those seven steps, and my mind said, Tony, you've, you've failed at every meditation method you've tried in the past. You'll fail at this one, too. You're wasting your time. I'm just too stressed to relax. And she said, when I began to do those seven steps, I hit step number three, and suddenly I was in bliss. My eyes filled with tears. I began to weep with joy that I'd finally found the ecstasy I'd been looking for. 
I'm going to do this every single day. And what we're now finding is that people are committing to doing it every single day because if you meditate in these effective ways, then you are able to reach this, this state quickly. And again, we're, we're not imagining this. We're hooking people up to advanced MRIs and we're seeing their brains change. So we now know that there are these seven things that really work. I lay them all out in, in, in the book, Bliss Brain. I also have eight meditations free, one at the end of each chapter. And so you literally will read the chapter, then go and do a meditation. They're only 15 minutes long, but they're what neuroscience shows really, really works. And that's the exciting thing about today. We now have the evidence from science of what will get you to those states quickly. Well, what was really powerful about what you just shared, Dawson, was you're incorporating the body, not just the mind. You're, you're bringing people into the body and then activating the mind. Because I think oftentimes people go into meditation and they go in just in the headspace, wanting something supernatural to take place, looking for some type of sign or some type of amazing awakening moment. And that in itself becomes part of the monkey mind distraction that goes on. But by doing the tapping, by, by relaxing the tongue, by doing the seven steps that you go through in your book and utilizing uh, the practices at the end of each chapter and the meditations, it's almost as if this is an embodiment process that is taking place, which then activates all the rest of the body so that it can work together and in tandem to create the chemical reactions and the awakenings and openings that we all have available to us. Yeah, trying to control the, the mind with the mind is difficult and often ends in failure. But if you just adopt the physiological state of a master meditator, if you're breathing at their rhythm, if you're sitting in their posture, if your whole nervous system is configured the way a 10,000-hour Tibetan monk or Franciscan nun has practiced for all those hours, if you just slip into that physiological state, you don't have to still your mind. In fact, I have never been able to still, still my mind. Like someone asked me on, on a talk show yesterday, so when did your struggle to still your mind stop, Dawson? And I said, it's never stopped. This morning meditation, I wasn't able to still my mind. But you just do these physiological cues, and they then trigger your body into those deep states. So it's, it's the body. It's getting it. This It's embodying the Simran. We can't do it as a mental exercise. And not only that, in the book you talk about um, – aside from moving into the physiology and allowing ourselves to have a practice, that this removes us from also the hostile takeover of emotion. Because I think emotion's the other bandit that kind of sweeps us away from the practice or from uh, allowing ourselves to relax enough to even slip into the state. So what happens with the emotional body when all of this is taking place? Or what if there is that trauma like what you and your wife endured with the fire, where did you go with all of the emotional aspects of that? Emotions can be your best friend or your worst enemy. And so when you close your eyes and you, you start to feel fear and stress, that then really drives a whole slew of negative events in your body, even to your gene level. So it changes gene expression. And for example, we start to produce hormones like cortisol, the stress hormone, and 
people who have high cortisol live much shorter, much less healthy lives. So all of those things are triggered by stress. And so what do you do to uh, avoid those stressful thoughts, the stressful emotions? And how do you trigger emotions of that are positive, of kindness, of love, gratitude, compassion, and so on. And emotions are going to turbocharge everything else you do. So if you are able to, that's one of the three things I talk about in Bliss Brain that will accelerate neural plasticity in your brain like nothing else. And I give it a, 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 the story of one particular guy who did this. His name was Graham Phillips. He was a TV TV talk show host and so he took his whole film crew into a lab before he learned to meditate and he had them film him getting a whole slew of tests including advanced MRI tests that measure the volume of tissue in various parts of his brain and then he went on his eight-week meditation quest went back into the lab after eight weeks and they found that the volume of neurons in different parts of his brain had actually increased by three, four, five percent in only eight weeks. But the part of his brain that grew the most, grew 22.8 percent, was a little piece of tissue in the center of the brain that regulates emotion. It regulates annoyance, resentment, anger, all those stressful emotions. That little piece of tissue in his brain that regulates his emotions, that piece of tissue grew by 22.8 percent in only two months. That's how quickly we're developing not just the software of emotional regulation, but the hardware of our, of our brains. We're literally increasing our physical neurological capacity to handle stress and negative emotion. And then as we sit down after eight weeks, we have much more ability to stay centered and to fill our hearts and minds with compassion and love. You don't need to be a Tibetan monk <clears throat> with 30,000 hours to experience the benefits of meditation. Early studies show that eight weeks of mindfulness meditation had an effect, and later ones showed that even four weeks make a difference. Dawson Church shows how during deep meditation, the seven neurochemicals of ecstasy are released in our brains. He has a series of extended play resources, deepening practices, and meditations that he gives when you access the information in his book, Bliss Brain, The Neuroscience of Remodeling Your Brain for Resilience, Creativity, and Joy. While writing Bliss Brain, Dawson went through a series of disasters, including escaping seconds ahead of a California wildfire that consumed his home and office and claimed 22 lives, a painful injury, and financial disaster followed. And through it all, Dawson steadily practiced the techniques of Bliss Brain while teaching them to thousands of other people. This book weaves his story of resilience into the fabric of neuroscience, producing a fascinating picture of just how happy we can make our brains, no matter what the odds. It is filled with science, with lots of images, and practical steps so that you can achieve a brain of bliss. Definitely find out more about him at uh, blissbrain.com where he also has information on a pain workshop this Sunday on an EFT training that's coming up and you can go to dawsonsgift.com where you can get an immunity meditation that you can begin practicing now we'll be right back with more of Dawson Church and Blissbrain after these messages want more more joy more abundance more power and presence 
How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. My guest today is Dr. Dawson Church, and he is an award-winning author who has written several books. The uh, best-selling book, The Genie in Your Genes, Mind to Matter was his follow-up title, and now he has written Bliss Brain, The Neuroscience of Remodeling Your Brain for Resilience, Creativity, and Joy. He is the founder of the National Institute for Integrative Healthcare, and he promotes groundbreaking new treatments and shares how to apply these breakthroughs of energy psychology to health and personal performance through EFT Universe. You can find out more about him at multiple websites, but specifically I want to mention uh, to get his immunity meditation, and I want to correct the website that I gave before. It is DawsonGift.com, D-A-W-S-O-N, Gift.com. Definitely go there for that. And then check out the pain workshop this Sunday, or if you know someone that is dealing with a lot of pain, some of the studies that he has done with past clients on Zoom after doing some of this tapping has reduced pain by two-thirds, uh, as much as 68%. And so it is a powerful uh, workshop to attend if you are someone dealing with pain or know someone dealing with pain. In addition, you can attend an EFT training that is coming up as well. And all of that information is found on blissbrain.com. So why not do drugs? Why not try other methods? 
why why go to meditation room? <laughs> I had to laugh because that was in your book, so I had to share it because it was interesting to share that particular piece. And uh, and you mentioned the side effects. That's why we don't want to do drugs. But yeah. but the but the interesting thing about your whole book is it is based on lots of science. I mean, you show chart after chart, brain image after brain image about how how the brain can change. And my my question right now for you is you're talking about us depending on a memory of the joy or the happiness or the bliss that we had at one point or the uh, the skills, traits, and talents that we have acquired. If there's an individual who has been in a depressed state for a long time or someone whose lens from childhood really was uh, one that was negative and they don't have any positive memories, can they start over and rebuild a brain from there or does there have to be at least some memories of some joy and happiness? That's a really perceptive question. In fact, someone in literally thousands of interviews no one has asked me that before, so I'm, I'm, I'm just exploring that idea in my own head. Do you need at least some positive uh, anchor point to begin with? And I think the answer is you do. And uh, occasionally we have somebody whose uh, sense of self has been so destroyed by especially childhood trauma that uh, and I, I've written two books on, on psychological trauma. In fact, my whole previous research career was focused on psychological trauma. And through our nonprofit National Institute for Integrative Healthcare, we've offered free treatment to over 20,000 veterans with PTSD. So this really is a, a subject that I've, I've looked at, at deeply. And you do need something. You do need somewhere to start. And there are people who've been so traumatized that, um, like one, one lady at a live workshop, volunteered to work with me, and she had, she was at that point where she had almost nothing to work with. She had um, been in a cult when she was growing up. Uh, she'd been sexually and physically abused in the cult from a very early age. At the age of 15, she had come out as gay. At that point, the cult expelled her and ostracized her. So she lost her family, she lost all her friends, she lost everything at the age of 15 when she came out as gay, and then just had a series of traumatic events after that. So when she sat down, and I, I just, I, I'm getting teary as I tell you this, because when she sat down and she t in front of me at a live workshop and told her story, my inner thought was, where do you start? With such complete devastation, where do you even begin? And when everything about your life has been so difficult, where do you even find that kernel of hope? And yet, as she talked, as she described all this abuse, we realized that there was a spark of hope there and a spark of ability, because she'd actually used that trauma to go on to create a good career for herself. She'd done well in her life. She'd actually retired at a fairly early age, very financially successful. So we used her financial and career success as a place to start. We found something that was good. If people have nothing, uh, one man who I talked to had also had a lot of abuse in his early life. We couldn't find anything. So we had to make something up. We had to imagine a story. And so his imaginary story contained enough of a grain of conviction to it that we're able to work from there and build it up and like that woman who'd been abused by the cult from an early age uh, 
she 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 very courageously did this on video and we on video we literally see the layers of trauma falling away one after the other after another and by the end of the session she's saying i am strong i am courageous i have the i have what it takes to be successful i mean her whole story changed from one of victimization to hey i was bigger and all those people who abused me, and I, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm emotional as I say this because uh, she was able to find that core of inner strength that lay beyond the abuse. This man who made up his own story, he made up an imaginary story, yet that imaginary story contained the seeds of resilience and strength. So I don't know how many videos we have on our website, probably over 100 of people like this who are telling, who begin deflated, who begin traumatized, but as they do EFT, as they tap, as they work on their issues, they then are able to shed layer after layer of trauma, and Simran, not in 10 years, they're doing it in half an hour or an hour, and it's absolutely miraculous to see the shifts that can happen. So you do need that core of a good story, and even if it's made up, even if it's fictional, it's enough to get you to a starting point. Well, at the very basis for any individual, for them to be even to tell their story, illustrates the strength of their human spirit. So I guess there's always a seed from which that can grow. So how far can the neural remodeling actually go? And is this possible for any age? Or is there a certain stage where we just can't rewire the brain? Yeah, and that's a question I asked in Bliss Brain, and it was a very interesting question because no one had ever asked it before or dug up the research to show what was going on. Is there a point beyond which neural remodeling cannot go? And so I found one study that compared meditators who had done a lot of meditation. These are Tibetan monks who had an average of 23,000 hours of meditation. That's like doing it every day for about 15 years. I mean, that's just like this crazy amount, full-time job, meditation, 15 years, 23,000 hours. And it compared them to another group of monks <laughs> who had done over 46,000 hours of meditation. Mm. And <clears throat> what the research showed was that even after that crazy amount of meditation, the brain kept changing. In fact, the stress structures of the brain in the advanced meditators began to atrophy. They began to shrink. These, these neural structures like the amygdala began to shrivel and wither in these advanced meditators. So absolutely, there's no end. You just keep on getting happier and happier and happier. And one of my challenges, Simran, is to illustrate to people just how happy you can get. So I sat there after the fire. I sat in meditation. I talk about in the chapter on post-traumatic growth of Bliss Brain, how after I had this huge financial crash, we lost our office, we lost our business, our, our money went away, our savings went away, then our retirement was consumed in the, the financial disaster that followed. And by the end of the year, we found ourselves with no retirement plan and $300,000 in debt. So there we were in this, this state. We'd lost all our possessions. We had had these massive financial losses. I was in a health crisis brought about by things that happened after the fire. And I would meditate in the morning and find myself in bliss. And I write about how 
I write in my journal, I am an abundant, prosperous person. Now, how do you say that after you've lost your retirement savings, you're $300,000 in debt, you're in the middle of a health crisis, and, and you're in this, this space, and you meditate, and you're in bliss. So I wanted to write about that and really just disclose my personal story here, because you can be. You absolutely can be. And of course, we bounced back. Our business is now doing fabulously. We wound up making a huge amount of money in the years that followed. And so all of these things happen. And you can find that central point of love and compassion. But again, it happens not by to, to end where we started, attentional control. You are using your attention to focus on being one with this benevolent, loving universe in which we all exist. And you let go of your local mind, let go of the default mode network, and then you merge Rumi and Hafiz and St. Catherine and St. Francis, all of these great figures talk about merging with the universe and being in bliss. And you can be in bliss like that even in the midst of disaster. So absolutely, it's possible for all of us. You talked, uh, I want to go back to the DMN uh, and particularly the, the dark spot of the brain that you had said was associated with that. Is that space in the brain that is the darkened area, is that specifically the monkey mind area or is that also the void space of creation that allows all things that are possible? There's so much that we still don't know about the body, the mind, the spirit, uh, are, are both of those existing in the brain, or is that specifically the monkey mind? Yeah, there are uh, areas of the brain called the enlightenment network, and the enlightenment network are the brain regions that fire up in these advanced meditators. And so you can shut down your default mode network mind chatter, the monkey mind, and then light up the enlightenment network. And a very interesting thing happens with the default mode network when we do that. The default mode network actually then contributes to creativity. And so when your mind is wandering, if you are traumatized, say during the day you're taking a break, you're taking a walk, you're just relaxing, then if you aren't traumatized and your mind is not focused on the bad stuff of the past and the negativity that might happen in the future, then the default mode network is in this uh, and also our brains are in this brainwave called gamma, this very, very high frequency firing uh, firing pattern. And then the default mode network becomes a font of creativity. You have novel ideas. I never actually start writing a book or a chapter of a book or a section of a book unless I'm first bringing myself into that state of default mode network gamma. So now I am unlocking all of the creativity that comes from the wandering mind, wandering around all the creative possibilities that are there in my space. And that's really the potential we all have and we can access through these states. Well, this is a truly powerful book. And Dawson Church uh, ends it with the happiness habit where he invites us to truly create a practice of bliss ongoingly. According to most traditions, the time when meditation is most potent is in the morning. The delicious state of bliss brain is uh, like yes. a broadcast channel. You can decide to tune your awareness to it at any time. And when you make this choice first thing in the morning, when your brain is in high alpha, you're moving from sleep to wakefulness. You align your experience with the energy of this channel as the first act of your day. This is from Dr. Dawson Church's book, Bliss Brain. I invite you to get your copy. It is filled with so much valuable material, uh, practices, as well as exercises, and support 
uh, science so that you can really ground into developing a practice for yourself. Tune into his pain workshop this Sunday and his EFT training that's coming up by going to blissbrain.com and finding out more information and also connect to the immunity meditation that is at Dawson Gift. Thank you, Dr. Church, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. My guest next week will be Lori Deschar, and we are talking about the opposite side. We're going to go into the alchemy of inner work as another method of turning illness and suffering into true health and well-being. Until then, I am Simran, in love, of love, with love, and as love. Be well, and join me for the after party. We're going to head out there at 1230 and start talking a little bit more about the brain, about healing, about dreaming, and about how to... Step more into a place of happiness after learning so much from Dawson Church. So tune in on stereo. You can click the banner on the center of the page. Until next week, I am Simran. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.